Welcome to the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, featuring stellar conversations with emerging and established Wickedly Smart Women. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate women who are committed, care deeply, and have the courage to take action and create conscious change all around the world. Now here's your Wickedly Smart host, Angel B. Hartwell. Welcome to another episode of the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, where we celebrate Wickedly Smart Women and provide our listeners with a wealth of wisdom, along with immediately actionable steps to be smarter, spunkier, and more successful in their impact and their leadership. This is your host, Angel B. Hartwell, and today we welcome our very special guest, Lou Siseski. Lou is the co-founder and CEO of the first climate net neutral merchandise company in the world, based out of Seattle, called Cool Perks. Lou is an entrepreneur, an environmental steward, a fourth-generation service member, and a second-generation Japanese-American. In 2018, she co-founded Cool Perks to transform the swag industry from a toxic polluter to a sustainable connector of people and values. Today, Cool Perks is a multi-million dollar mission-driven business. They help brands such as Google, Microsoft, and Amazon through both their procurement and sustainability initiatives. Welcome to the show, Lou. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, I'm so excited that you're here again. (laughs) So I'm going to out myself and say Lou and I did an interview and I forgot to push record. And so this is our second time playing with one another. Lou, I want to start our time together by really talking about the environmental stewardship piece. And I want to ask you, you know, was being connected to the environment and wanting to steward the environment something that came from your childhood? Or is that something that happened as a result of some other kind of divine intervention as you matured? I think it's a a lot of things. I think it's a part partially my childhood and how I formulated my own ethics and how I want to live. One being as a child of the military, I felt that I grew up knowing that I was a steward of the place I lived in. I was only living in places for up to three years and growing up that way and having to restart life really drilled into me that if you leave a place better than you found it, then someone else will have a positive experience coming in after you. And that was something big. My mom was a big believer in that. She, We were the only house in base housing usually that had wallpaper or paint and furniture that fit in the room. A lot of people would, you know, bring their stuff from place to place or just buy something temporary and toss it when they left. But that wasn't my mom's belief system. And that wasn't something that was drilled into me as a very young child. And then additionally, I am the oldest of a lot of children. (laughs) In my immediate family, there are four of us and then blended all together, there are six of us. And as a result, waste wasn't something that was part of our life. We didn't have that between hand-me-downs and just the expense of living with 
so many mouths to feed. My mom was a single mom for a long time. So all of these experiences really drilled into me how positive your life can be, how enriched and happy your life can be on very few material items, very meaningful material items, and then not creating waste, not trying to keep up with the Joneses and then ending up buying a bunch of stuff, you know, of quote unquote affordable things to fill space just to keep up with neighbors or or whoever you're trying to compete with. Instead, just living in a very simple way, in a very Mm. intentional way. Mm. Beautiful. I love it. So now let's talk about the entrepreneurship. Is that something, again, that came out of your childhood? I know that, you know, you're a fourth generation service member. And because of only being able to be in a place, maybe at most for three years at a time, did you have a little lemonade stand at one of those places or did you sell bubble gum at school or did you, you know, did you leverage entrepreneurship as a child or was that something that also came, you know, further down the road? No, I, I, there was absolutely no way I was ever going to be an entrepreneur in, <laughs> in my lifetime that I saw as a child. It wasn't even in my vocabulary you know, I don't know how much interaction you have or how much experience you have living in a situation where you are at or below the poverty line. But as a child growing up in these situations, you you really start looking at career as a means to an end. And you're placed, or at least I was, in a box of what your potential is and potential earnings could be. And that those included very quintessential jobs that you hear in children's books, the teachers, the doctors, the dentists, the dental assistants, but then add on top of that, the layer of oppression, really of being a woman, of being someone who grew up in a household with a Japanese mother, a, a biracial mother, and all of that, the insecurities that are brought in there really layered on top of me a belief that there were only certain certain heights that I could go in career. I mean, even when I worked at, when I was a nurse, my previous life, I was a, as a nurse, even then I really didn't believe that I could get very high in the field. I started taking jobs at small clinics, small offices, because that's what I saw women doing. That's what I believed women could could do. That's what I believed myself I could do. Entrepreneurship was something that was afforded to me after I married someone who was an entrepreneur. So this was a privilege I married into. Mm-hmm. And it I was I felt confident to that I could take the risk at that point. So there were a lot of things that happened when I got married, that changed the trajectory of my career and and my life. Mm, Beautiful. All right. So let's talk a little bit about this whole idea of ethics formulation, you know, first from like a macro level, and then we can talk a little bit about cool perks and how that all evolved. But I'd really like to hear and have our listeners hear about this idea of ethics formulation, you know, especially for someone like you, Lou, who 
came from, you know, having these multiple pieces of of the puzzle that were running simultaneously, the Asian, you know, biracial mom, the service, which the service itself, self, I believe, instills a certain ethical framework, oftentimes that may be something that you do align with, maybe something that you don't align with. So where did this whole idea of formulating your own ethics come from? And what was it that allowed you to begin thinking about it and formulating your own ethics and then and really articulating it and embodying it? Yeah, I think by nature, I am self-inquisitive. I like to understand why I'm doing things. And when it came to my impact on other people, I really was able to really see how I could be of benefit versus living in a way where I was remaining in scarcity mindset, remaining in that fear zone where I'm just trying to get by, even to the point of exhaustion where I become complacent. All of this, I was able to see just, I think, from a natural inquisitive standpoint. However, really looking at impact on your community was definitely something that I, it was so readily obvious growing up in the military, because if I got a bad grade, my stepdad's bosses knew. And I was told that this was going to impact his career, which was going to impact the country, right? The defense of the country. And that type of awareness of being a part of a system, being part of a network, that interdependence that we all share was highlighted in a really big way. And then on top of that, growing up with a single mom and having to contribute and having to be sort of a co-parent in a way to my siblings. And then, you know, when I took a, when I started working in high school, I was babysitting because then I can, could take my siblings with me. And so being, it just reinforced that belief that I am part of a whole and I am responsible for holding up my part in a way that I can not to exceed what I can and not to be below what I can as well, but to be a contributor in a very honest way. Mm. Okay. I got to stop you right there because Lou, that's huge. You know, it's just extraordinary to me. And many people spend years getting to the point where they understand that they've got to be a contributor only up to the way that they can. Most women often are over giving, mm-hmm. over contributing and under being undernourished. So I really love this idea of the self-inquisition that says, what can I contribute that is additive to my community, to the whole, to my family, to the system, to the industry I'm in, in the case of Cool Perks, 
without being self-injurious. That's huge. And so I just, I really want to underscore that for our listeners, that it's a, it's a fine distinction to make a contribution that is up to what you're capable of, but not going over it and not going under it. So I really love that, that piece there. So let's talk a little bit about Cool Perks. And Cool Perks is a company in the swag industry. Swag means, for those of you who don't know what swag means, swag is stuff we all get, and it's basically promotional items. So let's talk a little bit about how you have transferred your ethics into cool perks, and then we'll take a short break. Yeah. So the swag industry, also known as the promotional products industry, is a very, very large industry. It is somewhere between 30 billion and 260 some billion, depending on who you ask and what categories of items they're accounting for. Whether, you know, of course, the larger side includes things like gift cards, whereas the smaller is only logoed items that you would receive at work from the company you work for or the company that wants you to patronize them. And the industry, I just, I I couldn't imagine going into this industry and not wanting to make a change because a huge majority, actually almost 80%, 79% of the products that are given away by companies are immediately disposed of. And that's huge. If you think about even the small side of this, the $30 billion a year, that's $27 billion in landfills Ooh. every single year. I mean, you've I, I'm sure you've seen it walking out of a trade show or something, how the garbage cans are overflowing. I've been to lunches where a, a nonprofit hosts a speaker and you come in and donate and they're giving out t- terrible, terrible items that those end up in the trash can before leaving the, the convention center as well. And so this industry at its core, is built on appreciation. However, it's spreading complacency and really, I want to say dismissal. It's really dismissing value and people's efforts and creating... It's it's perpetuating this sense of just getting by. Mm. And I didn't want that. So I brought it back the word cool perks really comes back to being a perk, these items being a perk of the relationship that you share with a company that you work with, with your colleagues. And they need to be a reflection of the value you feel that you hold in the company in which you contribute. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it really feels like a slap in the face. Mm-hmm. And you, you don't need to look very far or ask questions about why we had the great resignation or, (laughs) you know, some of these like high turnover situations or companies struggling to keep, keep customers is because at the core of their giving, they don't seem to care. Mm. And so I really did want to change that. Beautiful. All right. We are going to take a quick break. 
But when we come back, we're going to talk more about how you can find out about cool perks and what Lou's got going on over there. Right now, though, Wickedly Smart Women, we could use your help. If you're enjoying this show and want us to stay on the air, please consider making a donation at www.wickedlysmartwomen.com. We'd also like to ask you to share with your lovely lady friends who you think might benefit from our content. Help a gal out and let your sisters, mothers, daughters, friends, and colleagues know about the show so we can serve them too. I do want to say a big thank you to all of our listeners who are downloading, rating, and reviewing. We just added another country. We are now in 105 countries. Welcome, Finland. And thank you to all of our listeners all around the world. We want to shout out to our listeners in addition to Finland, to our listeners in, let's do Seattle and Slovakia. And we will be right back with Lou Sasaski. The Wickedly Smart Women podcast is brought to you by the Wealthy Life Mentor. Women, are you on the edge knowing that life is calling you to make a change? Are you ready to be part of the evolution of what it means to be a wickedly smart woman creating your wealthy life by design, a life that is an extraordinary work of art? Angel B. Hartwell, the Wealthy Life Mentor, is hired by Women in Transition, Women just like you who want to break through to their brilliance, become clear on the value of their wisdom, and embody a beauty-filled, balanced life of shameless self-expression. Discover your wealthy life readiness by taking the quiz at quiz.wealthylifementor.com. All right, Lou. So before we went to the break, we were talking about Cool Perks. And I want to let our listeners know that you can find out more about Cool Perks at coolperks.com. So let's talk a little bit now, and we'll actually have that for you in the show notes. Let's talk a little bit now about specifically. So what I love is that you saw this challenge. Like $27 billion is going into the trash every year out of a $30 billion industry. That's a huge challenge. Mm -hmm. But more importantly, what I just heard before the break is it was more than just the, the actual material waste. What you have observed and are in the process of solving with your company is the process of using something material that is intended to affirm a relationship. And what it does instead is it actually is a almost like an insult to the relationship. Is that what I'm hearing? Absolutely. So, you know, from the gift giver side of things, gift giving is a form of self-expression. And it's really fascinating to study this because you can really easily see when somebody has picked something up on the fly, when somebody has other competing priorities, right? Like this is something that they have put off and they're just obligatorily gifting. And you can also see when someone has put a lot of an intention and attention towards gift giving. And then from the receiver side of things, you have the sense really intimately, whether or not someone has gone either path with this. And it really can feel like a slap in the face, feel like you're taken for granted, 
or it can feel like you are incredibly valued and it can highlight a shared experience. Like if you went on a trip years and years ago together, and then you come out with something about that trip, you know, that experience, those things can really build a relationship. And I really don't think there is a net neutral when it comes to gift giving. You are either adding or subtracting from a relationship bank. Great. So now let's talk about Cool Perks, which is a multi-million dollar company working with Google and Microsoft and Amazon. How do you translate and transfer this ethical value-laden mindset of really personalizing the relationship at scale? Like, how do we do that at scale? Because it seems to me that that's a real fine art. <laughs> yeah. Well, we don't engage in any other way. I do, I don't. I mean, it, it would be really easy. I have to tell you, it'd be very easy to deep dive into some of these catalogs of cheap crap made by factories overseas and and their knockoffs. They're they're not good, and yet the this is what the industry is made out of, and. What I like doing really is to find small businesses to work with, bring some sort of equity to gift giving and gift giving at scale. One of our purposes is to create equity in this industry because there's so many people in underrepresented communities who are creating amazing items. And there are other companies who are owned by white males who are doing really good and being very intentional with the products that they're making. And these are the companies that we want to highlight and and support and offer to our clients. And we do offer some education to our clients in the form of webinars or emails, you know, newsletter flyers type of stuff. But at heart, we're just demonstrating how it could and should be when it comes to gift giving. So utilizing those smaller businesses, those real worthy businesses, those ones that we can stand behind, that we feel good about spending our money with, that it just totally feels like an exchange of heart. Those are the companies that we utilize when when our clients look for gifts. And I mean, if you're looking for really unique products, handmade items, always a, a winner because that item not only comes with its own story of who made it, why they made it, where they made it, which feels personal in it in and of itself, but each item is going to be different from your colleagues or whoever else is receiving this. So that feels really, really personal. And by doing that, the recipient then starts to learn the values that the company really wants to put out there. We want to be sustainable. We want to be ethical. We want to be equitable. And then you show up to work knowing these values you replicate these values, you live under this way, new way of life. And then you can also take those ethics into your community and at home as well. Beautiful. I love this because what I'm hearing here is 
the gift giving channel within a corporation in in appreciation of its employees or of its clients is what you're doing here is you are are hijacking for a better for lack of a better word that channel to be a carrier of and a transmitter of the values and not just you know thing to do on the things to do list that gets dropped to the bottom every year so we've only got 3 minutes left and in the last 3 minutes what I really want for those women who are listening who may not have thought entrepreneurship was on their path, I mean, you literally went from at or below the poverty line, life, childhood, mm-hmm. to now a CEO, co-founder and CEO within four years of a multi-million dollar company. So if there's one thing for our listeners that you could transmit about how your ethics and values have allowed you to step right into that role and to actually allow yourself to be a steward for massive amounts of money at this point. I'd love to hear that before we close. So I think recommending, I I feel very, very much a resistance to recommending anything to anybody where I don't know their situation. But I think an honest look at how you can be and want to be of service and seeing whether or not that risk is something that you're willing and able to take at a very honest perspective, because there are so many different ways in which we can get out over our skis. I think that really defining what you want to do and knowing that there is a target market out there, test the waters, try it out. I think, you know, from the background of having so much risk in life and with with finances really gives me a desire to say, try it. But, you know, of course, be smart, always be smart about it and, and really put consideration, use your network, use your, use the community around you. I used my husband's privilege and really was able to take something and grow it. Mm. Beautiful. I love it. Lou, it's been my pleasure having you. And listeners, we do love feedback. Please let us know what you thought of today's show by calling into our listener line. We will have that for you in the show notes. Or you can send in questions or guest suggestions to listeners at wickedlysmartwomen.com. We might even give you a shout out on the show. Thanks for tuning in. Keep your ears open. And remember, you are a wonderful woman. Thanks for tuning in, downloading, and listening. Be sure to rate and review Wickedly Smart Women on Apple Podcasts and share with other women who can benefit from today's episode. Wickedly Smart Women is the premier podcast series for informing, activating, and inspiring the leader who carries profound wisdom and knows that now is the time to welcome wealth. We welcome your feedback and guest suggestions and invite you to subscribe to our mailing list to be notified of each new episode at wickedlysmartwomen.com.